Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 154, Where's the Habit in Anxiety? You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, just a quick note before we dive into today's episode. If anxiety, worry, or intrusive thoughts are something that you struggle with, I'd really love for you to check out a course that I just led. It's called Freedom from Intrusive Thoughts, A No-Willpower Approach to Peace of Mind. You can find it at dramiejohnson.com slash freedom from intrusive thoughts. This course is the recording of a workshop that I led with four women who were struggling with intrusive thoughts. So we had four two-hour sessions where we dive deep into what was going on for these women. And you get to be a fly on the wall watching me coach them through what they're seeing, watching them have huge shifts. I'm not kidding, like massive insights into how their mind is working and how safe they truly are despite what their mind is telling them. They learned so much from each other. They saw so much in these four weeks together. Uh, After the four weeks, we actually had four weeks after the the course ended, we had a check-in. So you'll get to see them be coached week by week for four weeks. And then you get to check in with them a month later. All of this is included in the course. You also get short little sessions with me pulling out the themes and kind of giving you uh, the coach's view of what I see going on for them. It's just super unique, a really, really valuable thing to check out. I've seen over and over again that watching people be coached and supported through things that you're going through is incredibly helpful. And you're going to be amazed at what shifted for these women in just four weeks. I'm not kidding. So everything that they saw, you're going to see too, because you're going to be part of the conversation. It's like you see everything that we did together. So again, check that out, drameyjohnson.com slash freedom from intrusive thoughts. So you can actually purchase this course on its own, or you can get it for free when you join Student Access Plus. Student Access Plus is a new thing I have. It's a way to pay one low price for a growing library of digital courses. So you'll get the Intrusive Thoughts course. You'll get a similar one that I did around binge eating. You'll get a handful of other courses around habits and all kinds of other things. You also get early notification when I do live trainings, and I have a lot of those coming up. When I lead other courses, you'll get special pricing on certain things. It's just an amazing way to get most of what I offer in one place for one low price. So when you go to check out the Intrusive Thoughts course, you can check out the Student Access Plus option. Um, it's a really great deal. You can also see that at dramiejohnson.com slash student access registration. So I want to talk a little bit about um, where, like the title of this episode is, where is the habit in anxiety? Because I get this question said in that way a lot. So, you know, I talk about kind of anything and everything as a habit and not just because um, it's convenient, <laughs> although it is convenient uh, that, you know, I love to talk about habits and how our experience is habitual and, and you know, it's great to have something and understanding that goes so deep and is so to the point, so, so fundamental in terms of how human experience arises within us that it 
quite literally can help anyone with anything. Now, that has a lot of uh, drawbacks as well in terms of talking about it publicly because it just sounds too good to be true. So I don't, I don't go out in like marketing materials, for example, and say, uh, you know, no matter what you're struggling with, like this is the solution. I would never say that because it sounds kind of swarmy and not very believable. But between you and me, uh, it's the truth. <laughs> so um, so I, I, you know, I love working with habits. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff that we think of as habits and they tend to be the more behavioral things. So things like binge eating and nail biting and drinking and overspending and, and all of those really clear, tangible, um, visible behavioral things are what we tend to think of as habits. It's what the world talks about as habits. But that's just one little corner of the tip of the iceberg. You know, that's just the behavioral manifestation of what's going on. When we look a little deeper, there's habitual thought and habitual feeling, same thing, uh, behind all of those. And there's habitual thought and habitual feeling going on um, that doesn't necessarily manifest in something that the world would look at and call a habit. So, for example, um, you know, people have habitual feelings of insecurity or jealousy or anger, and those don't always lead to the same thing. So, so if you have habitual jealousy, for example, and when you feel that, you text your partner and demand that they tell you how much they love you. <laughs> if you do that every single time, now we might say, oh, texting my partner is a habit I have. But we don't tend to look at what's a little deeper beneath the surface and a little less visible, which is the habitual, truly habitual thought and feeling showing up that looks looks to you so personal and true that you're you're compelled to act on it. So that's habit too, right? But for most people, um, or most of the time, I should say, those habitual thoughts and feelings we have, things like insecurity and anger and jealousy, um, they don't always manifest in the same way. Sometimes they, sometimes they just arise and you just feel horrible and you don't necessarily do anything about them. Other times, you know, given the mood you're in or the day it is or whatever, you might have totally different reactions to those feelings. But there's still a habit there, you know, there's still habitual thought and feeling going on. It's just a little tougher to see because we've been conditioned to look at behaviors as habits and not to see what's what's beneath the surface a little bit more. So when I think of habits, it's most of our experience in life is habitual. And that's because we, this formless energy moves through and is filtered through form. It's, it's moved this formless energy. This is just a metaphor, but this formless energy is filtered through the form of a body and a mind and a brain. Um, a mind isn't really form, but a brain and a body and it gets spit out in very habitual ways. So even our body has habits. You know, our body has habits in terms of 
how it handles our food and what happens with our muscles. Like, you know, like there's a million things. How how you're, if you have a heartbeat that's a little irregular, like all of that, allergies. I mean, it could go on and on. There are so many just habitual things that happen physically in our in our body. And for sure, there's a ton of what comes out of our brain, what gets filtered through and spit out of our brain is full of habit, so habitual. Our personality is a habit. Our identities that we believe in and carry around are nothing but thought habits. So to me, most everything's a habit. Like, you know, of course, there's fresh, new, creative stuff that shows up all the time. But there's a lot of our experience that just because of how it moves through us and is kind of spit out once it hits our form of a brain or a body, um, you know, that's easy to kind of see as a habit. And, and this isn't a bad thing, by the way. It's just how we work. It's just what, what happens in the form. And seeing something about this is pretty incredible. So we, we need to be habitual in so many ways because it's, it's benefit, everything that we experience is beneficial, but it's, it's beneficial, it's efficient, it's, you know, according to how our mind, our brain and, and body work, there needs to be some level of consistency and habit. So none of this is a problem and it's not even something we're locked into in the least, especially when we know that it's working that way. And you know, we just see this all the time. People who have been around this conversation for for a bit of time really start to see, oh, that's not me. That personality isn't me. Those those traits aren't me. You know, the way I show up in certain situations, that's not me. The way I am when I feel really insecure in a low mood, that's not me. And the way I feel and the things I do and say and all of that when I'm in a great mood, that's not me either. That's what this conversation does for people, you know, is that we are still habitual creatures with habitual machinery and habitual experience, but it's not us. So who cares? You know, and I'm, I'm saying that in kind of an extreme way, but honestly, like we get personalities, we get to have and enjoy personalities and identities and all that made up stuff, but not be locked into it. So anxiety and you know, anxiety is the same. So we could look at this in a couple different ways. When we look at anxiety, there's habitual experience showing up, meaning this energy moves through us and maybe it's a little fast. All of this is illustration, by the way. I probably don't have to say that in every episode, but I probably will just because I want to want to make sure. Um, so energy moves through us. Maybe it's a little sped up energy. Maybe we're, we're at a time in our life when, when we just feel a little faster, more energy, a little keyed up. We have other times in our lives when, when we don't feel that. Who knows, right? But, but energy is moving through us. It gets spit out and shot off in different directions through our habit-oriented machinery, through our brain, through our body, we feel what we feel. We experience what we experience. The way that energy shows up and is spit out has some habitual tendencies to it. That's part of it. But 
Something I've been seeing so much more clearly lately, and in in particular after working with um, a group of of women who were struggling with anxiety, is that that's part of the habit. When people say, well, where's the habit and anxiety? I can see it in those binge eaters. Their habit's clear, but I just get hit by a bunch of uncontrollable feelings and thoughts. So where's my habit? Where does it live for me? Well, again, it lives in part with your machinery shooting things off in certain directions. That tends to be kind of habitual, but but that's not, that's just how life's showing up. Where the real habit, I think, tends to be in anxiety is in everything that comes after. It's in our stories. It's in the explanations. It's for, for what we're feeling. It's in those, as I talked about in episode 148, it's in those cause and effect models that our mind makes up. Oh, I'm feeling this way, therefore X is going to happen, or therefore I must have done Y to make this feeling show up. Oh my gosh, we live in a sea of these causal models that our brain uses, makes up to try to predict things that are incredibly inaccurate, but we live within them as if they're the truth. So those are very, very habitual. In the case of anxiety, when we're feeling stuff physically, thinking stuff mentally, and we and it feels like anxiety and we feel caught up and stuck in it, the habit a lot of the time lives in the resistance. It lives in our habitual resistance to what's showing up, our habitual pushing pushing it away, pushing it back, trying to not feel it the way that we feel something that our mind habitually, instantly labels anxiety. And then we habitually jump up and try to outrun it. Or we go find something to listen to, or we go find something to eat or something to distract ourselves with. Again, the what we do could be different, probably is different for many people in any given moment. So it's hard to see that as a habit, but that doesn't matter. The fact that we're doing something, even just the fact that we tighten, that's resistance. The fact that there's a pushing and a running at times is resistance. That's where the habit is in anxiety. I mean, it's all over the place. And and, and this is true of any habit, by the way. Um, you could say the exact same thing if you have an urge to you know, go buy something you don't need because you don't feel well. You could just be in that feeling and not try to push it away and not try to numb and then you wouldn't have a habit. You'd just have a feeling and then that feeling would change and there'd be nothing left and then you just have another feeling. So this is true in all habits, but but again, I know it can be tougher to see in anxiety, you know, because it really does feel like, no, this is just... I just get hit with a bunch of life. I get hit with a bunch of energy and emotion and panic and terror and I hate it and it lingers. So where's my habit? And what I'm saying is for you to consider and you to just look at this yourself, what if your habit is in, it starts the minute your mind labels that energy anxiety and it continues on in the pushing and resisting and hating it. That's, that's where, that's where your habit is. So I mentioned that I saw this 
so clearly recently when I was working with these women with anxiety, where one of them would, when there were four of them, but one of them would wake up and feel some stuff going on. From the moment she opened her eyes, she'd feel, you know, I don't know, some tingling and her heart would kind of pick up its pace as soon as she kind of fully woke up and started thinking. And she'd lay there and sort of scan her body very habitually, I'm sure, and notice all kinds of stuff. And the other woman, another woman in the group, would have virtually the same experience. She'd wake up, she'd feel some stuff. Right away, there's a mind waking up saying, how do I feel? Do I feel anxious? Is anything there? She'd notice some stuff. She'd feel it. But rather than that being the end of the story, so for the first lady, that was kind of the end of the story. Now, it wasn't always that way. She had she had seen through her anxiety in a really big way. So, so there was still that habitual tendency to kind of scan and check and her body still had a bit of a habit. Her body would still play out some anxiety symptoms and, you know, her heart still had a habit of doing whatever it did when it, when her attention was on it. But it, it shifted and it kind of um, petered out quickly thereafter. And so she'd just lay there in the morning and feel some stuff and it would come or it would go, it would do whatever it did. She'd just get up and live her life. Now for the other one, again, very, very similar symptoms and all of that. Um, but she didn't get up and live her life. <laughs> she, she, so much of her habit was the minute she felt anything that her mind said anxiety or don't like it or shouldn't be, which were all synonyms for her, basically anything that, that smacked of anxiety or something that um, kind of felt wrong for her. Instantly, there was a jumping up and trying to run away from it. And that took all kinds of forms. She'd throw her earbuds in and listen to like this podcast, like, you know, trying to get that to help bring it down. She'd jump up and clean the kitchen. She'd lay there and try to breathe through it and do a bunch of exercises and things. But, but what was beneath all of that was just so much pushing, so much running. It's not okay. So many actions that reinforced to her that this feeling is not okay. Something must be done. And the difference in these two women was really, really remarkable. I mean, it was so clear to see. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying that the second woman was creating her anxiety and the first one wasn't creating anxiety because she wasn't doing those things. It, it was more, it was flipped. It was that the first one had truly seen something. Her mind was just quieter. That's it. She had really seen, oh, this is, and she might not even say it in these words, but on some level she knew, okay, I don't need to outrun this. It'll, it'll taper off on its own. It's safe. Like, you know, again, who knows what her what she consciously knows or saw about it, that doesn't really matter. She was living as a clear illustration of someone with a quieter mind around it who felt relatively safe in her experience. And again, she was in this group because at one point that was not at all the case. So she just had seen a lot. She'd come a long way and her, and and it was just, that's where she was with it at, at the moment, at the time that we were talking. 
the other one hadn't seen that yet. For her, and she she consciously knew it. So again, that doesn't matter. She could say it's safe. She knew it was just anxiety. Like, you know, she had all the right knowledge. But there was this habitual tendency to just, I got to run from this. I have to do something about it. So our whole conversation centered on that with her, right? Because that, it was so clear to see that, wow, when it stops looking like there's something you have to do, this is going to completely radically shift. Because here's the thing, like it's nothing, it meaning any experience is nothing until our mind gives it a label. That's why I like to call it energy. Even energy is more of a label than we should have. Even energy has some implications, you know, in there, uh, but far less than a, than a label like anxiety, you know. So it's just life. It's just stuff. It's just energy. It is nothing. It has no meaning. It is absolutely nothing until a brain gives it a name. And this is true of everything in life. A tree, your child, like it is nothing until a brain gives it a name. And when a brain gives it a name, along with that name comes all kinds of other stuff, assumptions and meaning and personal crap and just everything. So the first woman was just sort of more in a place where she was just feeling life. The second woman was in a place where she was feeling anxiety. And inherent in anxiety was this is wrong. And inherent in this is wrong and shouldn't be happening is what am I going to do to fix it? How am I going to get out of this feeling? And that was everything in, in terms of why she was still struggling with anxiety as much as she was. Everything. I knew for sure that if she can, be, if we could begin to kind of poke holes in that and back her off of that, I have to do something a little bit the whole thing would continue to just unravel like it had more like it had for the first woman. That if she could just be in this feeling, even with her mind saying, if this is where she was, this is anxiety. I hate it. You know, I would love to jump up and clean the kitchen. Like, can she see that as thought? Could she see that as habit? That's just the reflex that comes up when this energy is present. But, but, does she really, is there really anything she can even do? That's the funny thing too, is that, you know, and I, I don't mean funny, but oh, I mean, it's so obvious when you're outside of it and so not obvious when you're in it. And I totally get that. But like for people struggling with anything, like let's just stick with the anxiety. Say you've been struggling with anxiety for five years and and it truly looks to you like our second woman that when you're feeling that, there is so much habitual, even though you know better, there's so much habitual action resistance pushing that just arises that leads you to try to in some way or another outrun it or change your experience. If you've been doing that every time you feel this certain energy for five years, you have to have seen over and over and over again that nothing you do really helps. But see... It may have taken the edge off once or twice or or 20 times in five years. And man, our mind will just pounce on that and, and just make up, again, episode 148, if you haven't heard it, make up these cause and effect models. 
oh, that one time I jumped up and did 20 jumping jacks and my anxiety got better. That must be the ticket. Like it's, that's just what a brain will say. But, and, it, and it's just like a brain to dismiss or kind of ignore the countless other times when we've tried to get up and outrun our experience or resist it or push it away and nothing helped. And in fact, that made it worse. You know, we don't see that side of the equation. So it, it was just so clear and obvious and always is really that it's nothing until it's something. And it's only something when a bunch of labels and words and stories and meaning and cause and effect models get layered on top of it and then are believed by us. And that when it comes to anxiety and, and depression as well, it's very similar. Yes, there may be a habitual energy, a habitual fast energy in the case of anxiety, or these are just my labels and words, or lower, slower energy in the case of depression. There may be some of that that's, that's this amazing, limitless, formless energy that when it's filtered through a very habit-focused brain. It gets spit out in certain ways. Fine. But the real habit, where we have the most wiggle room, where we have the most leverage, is for us to be able to see that habitually, on top of that energy, the way it's spit out, there tends to be a whole lot of labeling and a whole lot of resisting and denying and not wanting. And that's okay. It's human. It's normal, but it prolongs our experience. It makes it worse. It reinforces our faulty labels. You know, it reinforces this is anxiety. Look at it. Now it's getting bigger. We're pushing it away. That's why it's getting stronger, but it, but we kind of miss that piece, you know? So I think the more we can see this, the more we can see, wow, what's coming in after the fact in a sense? You know, how how am I not just leaning into this and opening to it and feeling it? Where is my mind habitually resisting? It's going to make a gigantic difference because where there is no resistance, there is no anxiety. I feel like I should say that again. <laughs> where there is no resistance and no pushing away, there is no anxiety. Anxiety is fear of your feelings, as is, that's the root of everything, every habit. But it's clear to see it. Anxiety. It's it's fear of what's showing up. It's a pushing away of what's showing up. So the what's showing up, yeah, that's habitual to some degree. But without that pushing and resistant, man, it it just works itself out. And with that pushing and resisting, it'll probably still work itself out. But it's it's going to be tougher for you. You know, it's going to feel bigger and it's, and it's likely to just be a much, much stickier experience. Mm -hmm. 